Hey everyone, welcome back to the uh, Sports Podcast. I'm your host for today, Justin Roman. And guys, today, um, there was a crazy, there was a big update, um, sports update on JJ Watt. As you guys know, it looks like JJ Watt will be uh, entering free agency. And guys, um, the New York Giants, for some reason, have their eyes focused on J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. So, the Giants, obviously the Giants have several difficult decisions to make this offseason, especially when it comes to their available money. Free agency will likely be weaker than usual as the Giants currently sit at about $3.4 million above the salary cap when the likelihood when the likelihood that Nate Soldier will be uh, cut post-June 1st and Golden Tate will undergo the same treatment, the Giants can open up about $19 million in, in available money. However, that money won't be available until, until June 1st, so they will need to find ways to sign players without hurting themselves down the line. Um, retaining Leonard Williams on a multi-year deal is likely a priority for the Giants, but there is one interesting scenario that allows them to move on from Williams and acquire an elite pass rusher for less money. You know, this could this happen? Yes, the Giants could consider a move on JJ Watt. You know, rumors have indicated that the Texans could cut or trade JJ Watt, who has only recorded. Nine and a half sacks over the last two seasons. Nonetheless, the, the Texans defense has been lackluster the past two years, with Watt representing their only true threat. Injecting him into a unit like the Giants with stellar coaching and better personal, he will likely find himself hitting double, double digits in the sack category once again. Some might be concerned about his injury history as Watt has missed eight games over the last three years. A player of his quality, though, is extremely impact- impactful and would only help the defense moving forward. There is an argument to be made that Leonard Williams is even more valuable considering he's never missed a game due to injury and racked up 11 and a half sacks uh, last year. It is clear that he can uh, thrive under under Patrick Graham on defense, but the Giants are forced to let Dalvin Thomason walk, that dynamic duo could hurt Williams' production in 2021. J.J. Watt, to me, has proven he can dominate and produce without stellar pieces around him. As he recorded 16 sacks in 2018, he also recorded seven forced fumbles in that season and uh, the last two years. In this in this interesting scenario, the Giants let Williams walk, who is likely looking for for twenty plus million dollars per season. They can wait until uh, the Houston Texans inevitably cut JJ Watt and offer him, let's say, uh, offer him fifteen to seventeen million dollars. Uh, fi- offer him fifteen to seventeen million dollars per year for the next two to three seasons by backloading his contract to the second year. They can also fit Tomlinson into their available cast space. It would, it would essentially be a trade-off, J.J. Watt for Leonard Williams. 
There are plenty of arguments to make against this scenario. Notably that Leonard Williams is five years younger and is and is historically healthy. He also is coming off a phenomenal season and has a year of experience with Patrick Graham's style and scheme. J.J. Watt will be entering a new media market and system, so it could take him some time to adjust. With that being said, he is so experienced that I wouldn't put much weight into the adapting factor. This is an intriguing this is an intriguing idea that would lower the Giants financial obligations to the defense line while also acquiring an elite talent that has a few years left to produce. The savings would also benefit Big Blue exponentially, allowing them to make the decision to keep Tomlinson or roll over money into the wide receiver position. So, guys, um, just let me know. Guys, do you think that, how do you think, do you think that can happen? You know, it could. You know, the Giants, uh, Joe Judge, he's looking to bring in, uh, he's trying to bring in fundamental players. J.J. Watt is one, he is one fundamental player, you know. It will be, it's going to, you know, Yes, it it will be tough, you know, it will be tough, you know, because you know he's learning learning a new system under a new under under a new defensive coordinator. So let's just see. But I would I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind it if he and I wouldn't mind if he was the Giants. Okay, guys, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So, guys, um, there was a report uh, by uh, there was a report by ESPN that the Cowboys, oh not, oh not ESPN, um, NBC Sports, that the Dallas Cowboys are not getting fixed with one off season. So, guys, it looks like it is. So, guys, um. Tom Ryle, uh, who works for NBC Sports, was saying it is fair to look for improvement, but you better be ready for the long haul to restore hopes for a Lombardi trophy. So uh, what Tom Ryle said about the Cowboys are not getting fixed with one offseason, I'm not going to disagree with him. You can't get fixed, you know. It takes time to get better, you know. It takes time. Now, look, as we sit and viciously watching the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers prepare for a Super Bowl 55 this Sunday, it is natural to look forward to how the Dallas Cowboys can solve the issues of 2020. Some like injuries and a difficult transition to a new coaching staff with will hopefully more or less resolve themselves. This team also has that elephant tromping around the room in a need to get Dak Prescott resigned, but it is not unres- but it, it's not unreasonable to hope all that will actually get better, you know. With free agency and the draft coming up, there are a lot of theories about about just how to utilize the resources available to fix this team. The Cowboys are projected to have 10 draft picks, of course, and have proven repeatedly that they can find the cap space they need. So, of course, there is a chance. Here's the thing, though. That chance is much smaller than most will admit. 
considered this is a warning that 2021 is going to be a rebuilding year and expecting the Cowboys to get into the playoffs, much less make a run, is likely to lead to disappointment. You know, this is not a look, you have to understand, especially you dumb Cowboys fans. This is not a roster that this is not a roster that is a player or two away. This is a roster that needs perhaps a half dozen quality pieces to add to things. And that is assuming that all those injured players are back and fully healthy. The needs will just grow during the season as the inevitable damage piles up and players start missing games. To properly discuss things, we need to look at what the team currently has on the roster. Fortunately for me, the the inestimable... Bob Sturm already did that bit of work. You know, this is a particularly relevant chart because it shows how how each player was obtained, which is very uh, pertinent to our discussion. You know, we everyone knows how much the Cowboys like to claim they depend most heavily on the draft, but this shows just how much of the roster is actually acquired through free agency, including unrestricted free agents however when you consider that this includes more players than will actually make the roster that will probably uh tilt back to the draft still when it when it is certainly admirable that they have found players like like uh, leo collins blake jarwin and antoine woods through the two free agent through the two free agency paths there is not a lot of other success to point in this list. We should not expect that to change. So Dallas has to do well in this year's draft. Further complicating things are all those names in red, representing the Dallas play, representing uh, the Dallas Cowboys players that are now unrestricted free agents. Now includes six starters at various parts of the season, and any of those who are brought back, including Prescott, will of course eat into the cap space available. Even 10 draft picks are not going to be enough because there's there's no such thing as a sure thing in the draft. You have the best shots of finding players that can help the team on days one and two. But even then, you are not really looking at a high success rate on average. The day three picks are all really crapshoots. If the Cowboys come out of the draft with three long-term starters and a couple reliable backups level players, they would be beating the odds. That leaves at least two or three holes that have to be filled in free agency, where Dallas has not exactly proven itself a master of the market, or you can hope to develop what you already have under contract. That may yield a player or two over time, but we are in a bad situation. But the Cowboys are in a bad situation because the current roster doesn't have a lot of obvious answers jumping out at the media. Some like to point out, some like to point to the 2020 draft class as a sign of hope. It did yield. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It did yield for players that started more than one game in Ceedee Lamb, Trevon Diggs. Uh, Neville Gallimore and Tyler Biadas, and there's hope that Bradley Ane and Reggie Robinson will be more utilized. However, Pro Football Focus applied their scoring system to the draft classes of all 32 teams last year, and 
that is not very encouraging. Dallas only ranked 24th overall. Their evaluation took into account volume for the players. So the Cowboys were marked down because Gallimore and Biedas did not see much time early in the season with Biedas then going on IR while, of course, uh, Ane Robinson and Ben DiNucci con- <laughs> contributed almost nothing. With DiNucci's dismissal performance and his limited time on the field dragging the whole class down on PFF scoring, we ca- the, cow- ca- the Cowboys, Cowboys fans can hope that the class will contribute more in their second year, but it does not bode all that well for the coming class. So, the question is, just how many positions need to be addressed? Note the number of unrestricted free agents that could be lost from Stern's list, especially in the secondary. Assuming, which may be a bit optimistic, that management does not screw up uh, Prescott's situation. The team seems to have adequate answers at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, defensive end. That leaves the following positions of concern. Free safety, cornerback, um, the second cornerback position and slot corner, defensive tackle, especially especially linebacker, and possibly offensive tackle, and possibly inside offensive, offensive lineman. Those are six positions. Those are the six positions the Cowboys gave to get right. And the seventh that still should not be overlooked. If the Cowboys get all their injured players back, any any that are not ready to go, such as the two starting offensive tackles they plan or they planned on last season, just adds to the urgency. Already, we are beyond reasonable expectations for finding enough quality quality players in the draft. With ten expected picks, we have we have to prepare for at least three or four to just not plan. Free agency, including free agency, including signing some of their own, will help. But Dallas has shown a marked inability to get reliable personal going outside the team. It's a number. It's a numbers game, and the numbers show, as Todd Archer evaluated, that it will take a couple of years to get this team built to be a contender. Given that some of the current players that aren't that are being depended on will fall victim to injury or just a decline in their ability. That may be optimistic. A truly objective analyst makes three or four years more likely, again, with the big if of them getting most of the talent acquisition process right along the way. We tend to judge the Cowboys on a pass or fail basis regarding either they make it to the Super Bowl that will almost certainly lead to disappointment in the near term. What we should, what what the Cowboys should really be looking for is how much they can improve each year. The first step is getting to a winning record, which may be helped a lot by the dysfunction in the rest of the NFC trash East. Although the Washington football team may may be close to getting beyond that, but the terrible, but the the horrible, terrible performance of last season means that just adding a couple more wins this year may be more significant than we would like to admit. It is, uh, it, 
it's most likely that this will be a long haul and we sh- and the Cowboys should try to cultivate some patience. That is not something fan bases are known for. As much as we may not want to face it, this team, this trash team is not in a good shape at all at the moment. And will have more challenges arise even as they seek to address the multiple ones that are now clear. So that's what I got to say about that, you know. And like I said, again, Dan Quinn doesn't hurt. You know, Dan Quinn, he was part of he was part of the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom, that's when the Seattle Seahawks were a scary team. But these guys are learning in a new these 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 young rookies. Cause the Cowboys have a young team, you know? Their whole secondary is filled nothing but rookies. Their offensive line needs to, they need to fix their offensive line. Not only that, what are you going to do with Zeke? Zeke hasn't proven anything. So, the Cowboys, even though you got Dan Quinn, that's not going to, that, you can't get fixed in one offseason. So, um, and that's just me speaking. As a reporter. Do you have a pen right now? No. So, um, no, good luck sucking. Okay. Um, guys, um, let's talk about the, um, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so guys, so it was reported by CBS sports that uh, Carson Wentz, um, would prefer to leave the Eagles, but the team is not looking to trade him. So, guys, it looks like the quarterback drama in Philly remains alive and well in Philadelphia. Um, look, at when the Eagles hired Nick Serrani as their new head coach, most understandably saw this decision at least partially as a step forward getting uh, Carson Wentz back on track. Tarani, after all, is best known as an understudy of former Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Wright, who, which was one of uh, Wentz's top mentors during his 2017 MVP uh, candidacy. But just because Tarani is in town doesn't mean Wentz wants to stay in Philly. You know, the Eagles' former starter would prefer a fresh start elsewhere in 2021, even if his current team is not inclined to trade him. Speaking with uh, John uh, Kincaid on 97.5, the Fantastic Wednesday, Adam Schefter suggested Wentz's silence this offseason. The quarterback has notably uh, refrained from welcoming Serrani or commenting on ex-coach Doug Peterson's dismissal. Tells you something. Specifically, he added, reiterating previous ESPN reports, Wentz remains hopeful of a clean break from an organization that oversaw his stark regression in 2020. Schefter clearly said he wants to leave the franchise. That's why a trade is still in play. This is all real. None of this is made up. So look it. For me, the issue is this. The issue for me is this. The issue is that the Eagles are not going to trade 
The issue for me is this. The Eagles are not going to trade him unless they get back fair value, which he estimated in their eyes would be a first-round draft pick at the minimum. Don't get me wrong. They will listen. And if a team makes the right offer, there will be a trade that will be made. But if a team doesn't uh, make the right offer, I think they'll open to bringing him back and having him compete in camp with Jalen Hurts. To me, it could go either way. Just because he would like to be moved doesn't mean he will be. You know what I'm saying? If I had to guess, I would guess he is traded. But again, they're not looking to get rid of him. They're not. Jalen Hurts, for what it's worth, who started the Eagles' final four games of 2020 after replacing a demoted Carson Wentz. This week, uh, from what I'm hearing from CBS Sports uh, HQ, this week that he's prepared to compete for the job if given the opportunity. So all of this, uh, all of, all of this cabagle, I don't really, I, I don't really care about the Eagles. You know, I think Philadelphia is a great city. You know. You know, I think Carson Wentz might end up going to uh, the Colts, you know, because obviously, obviously Carson Wentz wants to leave. Even if the team wants him to stay, you know, you can't, you have to understand, you can't, if you're, if you're a coach, you can't, you can't make your, you can't make your quarterback decide if he wants to leave or stay, you know, so like I said, the same thing I said for Dak Prescott. I don't want Dak getting hurt. Dak are Dak he he got injured way he got injured way too early in the season. Not only that, but he played on the franchise tag. So hey, I would I would love it if Carson Wentz I would love it if Carson Wentz goes and plays for another team. Either that's with either that's with um the freaking Colts. Hell, I don't even care if it's with the Patriots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So all I'm saying is this Carson Wentz. Look at I was I was I was cheering for this kid. He came out of North he came out of Northwestern Dakota. Uh, North uh North Dakota State. So Carson Wentz, just do what you do best. Go and leave. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't really know what's going to happen. I just hope Carson Wentz leaves the Eagles. Just like I said for uh, uh, for Dak. I want Dak to leave. I don't like the Cowboys, but I like me some Dak Prescott. Okay, guys. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Washington No Namers. So, guys, um, so, guys, um. Obviously, guys, Washington, and I told you, I think I told you guys this previously, Washington, they're looking for a new quarterback. 
Um, looks like, from what, from what I'm hearing, looks like Washington won't be sticking with Alex Smith for the long term. So it looks like, hey, either they go draft a quarterback or they start Taylor Heineke, who is the backup quarterback, or, or they just... um. Or they just, um, I don't know. So, guys, um, I don't really have nothing to say about Washington. You know, um, Washington, um, you know, um, they're a griff. They're, I think Washington, they're really not, there's really nothing to really talk about for that team. You know, um, I think Washington, they're going to be a scary team. Especially if I think they have, I think they have easy schedule. Okay, guys, let's talk about my Yankees a little, uh, really quick. Um, so, guys, uh, there's a report today, um, that uh, Yankees uh, catcher uh, not worried about potential Gary Sanchez awkwardness. Um, so, guys, um, after ending last season on the right side of of a position controversy, a uh, Kyle Higoshika wants to wants to do right in a potentially awkward situation. He expressed confidence that Gary Sanchez will do the same. You know, um, uh, uh, Higashaka, um, I can't say his name. He said, I think we're both professional about it. I don't think we hold it against each other. You know, um, it's just, we know, it's just, we know we need to always be playing at our best level or else there, there's a possibility that we might not be playing too much. At the end of the day, we want to win the World Series. It doesn't do any good. If we were to be at each other's throats or something. So, Higashaka zoomed in from his Oregon home to conduct a virtual meeting. and A meeting, a virtual meet and greet with, with student athletes from New York State districts with a significant population participating in a free and reduced lunch program. New York State Athletic Administrators organized uh, the, the event. Um, the last time Higashaka has been seen by uh, New York baseball fans, they had started five of the Yankees' seven postseason games behind the plate and byproduct of his development. He became Garrett Cole's personal catcher in the later half of the COVID-reduced 2020 season as well as Sanchez's plummet. He slashed a respectable .278, and played strong defense in the postseason. Mikashaka, uh, he was saying, I, I was really nervous because I had never played in the playoffs before. I had minor league playoff experience, but it's not even close to the intensity that the major league playoffs are. I was pretty nervous going into it. So at least, so at least having the first game going against Cleveland, 
the fact that we kind of blew them out 12-3 in that game, that was really fun, and it settled my nerves a little bit. It kind of allowed me to look and say, I've got this. So, yeah, so during his meet and greet, the um, so the immaculable Higashaka answered questions, ranging from his favorite pitcher to catch CC Sabathia to his favorite classes in school, math and science, <laughs> to a far more serious inquiry about either he has ever been subjected to racist comments on so- social media. Yes. So I think, you know, I think I'm hoping Gary Sanchez, you know, I'm hoping that he can accept. I'm hoping that he can uh, stay with the team, and you know, because he he was hurt, you know, um, ending the uh, MLB season and going to the playoffs. So we need and we needed him, you know. So um, I'm hoping that next season, I'm hoping that everyone's on the same page, and yeah. Okay, guys. Um. Oh yeah, guys. Time for my uh, my. Uh, my basketball preview. Talk about the Houston Rockets and the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they will play today at 8 o'clock. The Rockets are 10 and 9. And they will be playing. They're going to be. I think they're still. I think they're at Oklahoma City. Yep. They're Oklahoma City. Oh, guys, the Rockets moved to 8th. We're, we're in the playoffs. So here we go, guys. Um, so the Rockets um, are looking for their seventh. The Rockets are looking for their seventh uh, straight uh, a win uh, for the season. Um, so here we go. Guys, um, regression comes for all, for us all. You know, um, look at the nice things about um, the the nice things. You know, the nice things about uh, these two game series in the middle of the season is that I get to be a bit lazy. You know who you know who the Oklahoma City Thunder are because the Houston Rockets just played them two nights ago. There's a there's a little there's little to discuss in terms of OKC's rotation or, or strategy. What is what is likely to be different is Houston shooting from deep. Um, the Rockets shot 28 out of 52, you know, from three-point line on Monday, and while shooting 54% from deep every game is a solid strategy. It's not reproduct. It's not reproducible. Usually, teams split home and home series. This isn't a, this isn't a home and home. But the Rockets won't need to continue to attack the basket and defend like madmen to take the sweep. Houston will. According uh, to um, he, um, according to um, according to uh, ESPN, uh, the Rockets will uh, won't have John Wall due to a uh, load management as tonight. Uh, due to load management as tonight is the first night of a back to back. Houston will also be without David Nwaba, who is still recovering from an ankle sprain. The OKC now, the OKC they're also down a guard. Uh, with Shy 
Alexander, who he's out with a knee sprain. So, uh, guys, um, I think the Rockets win this one again, even without uh, John Wall. I think, I think, I think the Rockets win this one big. You know, um, you know, um. You know, I and like I said, as much as the Rockets, um, as much the Rockets, as much the Rockets, um, play defense. You know, because I'm really impressed by uh, by uh, by Stephen Silas's uh, uh, defensive system. You know, I I I like it a lot. You know, and. I think as long as we play defense, we can win games. The Rockets moved up. We're eighth. In, we're we're in the playoff pitch right now. You know, so as long as we play defense, we are we're not a team to be messed around with. So give me the Rockets winning tonight. Go going eleven and nine, and winning our seventh straight game for the 2021 season. A 2020 season. 2021 season. Okay, guys, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys uh, like this podcast. Um, I will be doing another one. I will be doing another. Uh, I will. I will be doing another basketball preview. The Rockets will. The Houston Rockets will be playing the, the Spurs. I believe tomorrow. And yes, they will. So. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow.